0: Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Titus. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day.
1: Job. awesome! Yeah, was
0: yeah, thank
1: you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds better and better and yeah, better. Doesn't it get, it get better and better? The guys, doing awesome yeah. job, especially awesome. when on three. It's just so powerful. Yeah. Thank you for ushering in the spirit for us. That was awesome. <laughs> the enemy he has to leave yeah. at the sound. And where's that enemy come in? right here. Yeah. The enemy comes into our minds. Yeah. We have to understand we can't let him in there. Once he gets in, he starts rooting himself yeah. in there, getting comfortable, and we start to feel doubt of our salvation, yeah. doubt of our Christian yeah. walk, doubt he exists. All these doubts come into our mind because the enemy gets in there. He gets, into our, he gets into our minds and he makes us think that, look at what you just did. How can I be saved? We're not saved in our performance. We're saved in our belief in what he did for us at the cross. And that's what keeps us saved. Thank God for that. Because if it depended on us, all of us are going to hell. Thought, word, and deed. We can't keep it We can't do it. So we have to keep understanding. The enemy has to leave. You've got to put Jesus in rape. No. Jesus told me no. When the enemy comes in, don't once you give him a foothold, he gets in there and then you start what? Doubting. And fearing. And questioning my salvation. And he does it to people. It doesn't long how doesn't matter how long you've been saved, he can get us at any given time. Amen? How's everybody doing? It's great to see everybody. I'm definitely feeling a little rested up. I'm just grateful to God to give us a little opportunity. But let me tell you something, God doesn't take vacations, okay? He doesn't. He gives me I need it because of this human body, but he doesn't need one. Right? <laughs> But I just I'm just grateful that we could get a little time to do that, to rejuvenate for the for the mission. See you know, we, we come here and and we learn about him, but when we leave here is when we actually get put on the mission field to see what we're learning, if it's actually getting into us, if we're actually doing it, if we're applying it, if it's actually if we're actually becoming like Christ. Or else we just come in here sitting here and then doing our thing to no effect in the kingdom of darkness. We're here for a reason. God saved us for a purpose. Yeah. To glorify Him to build His kingdom. Like right? Just a simple act of getting that little thing out there. Because I guess social media is the way to go now because that's where everybody is. Right? Yeah. So we can get Jesus out in there too. Right? Right. Right. right? Get Him in the mix. The devil's in there. That's for sure. Yeah, right. We get Jesus in there. Right? Yeah. So that's all it takes. It's a little bit of this being in us when we're not here. Amen? Amen? So, just thinking about Jesus. All right, we got a beautiful scripture on the board before we get started. Romans chapter one. We may have to read a few more than that, but wow. that blackboard's not big enough. But we can always get the beginning. You know. The Bible explains creation better than any other, anything else I've ever heard. I've watched the Discovery Channel and Science and all this other stuff and how they try to manipulate. What you know, God shows us that we have a conscience, that we, we have a sin nature. The Bible tells us clearly what's wrong with us. And the world just does not want to accept the fact that God knows, right? That that's where it is true. There's no better explanation than in the Bible. They can't explain it any other way. All right. Go. Everybody, Romans one, verse twenty. Okay. All right. Now it's time to get focused. Put all your cares aside. Let the Spirit take over your thoughts. And let the Holy Spirit work in your hearts to teach you and get you on this path. Okay. Okay. All I know is I need to be here. I can't. I can't. I can't get a day in without Jesus because if I do, I fail miserably. I need Him every minute. It has to be in here all the time. Well, I'm a total failure. I'm nothing without Him. Alright, look at verse 20. And plus, God calls me to be an example. My lifestyle has to be an example of what, 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 the word we're teaching. Amen? My lifestyle has to show it, and we're going to show it in Titus, as he tells us. Look at verse 20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky, Right? People, believers only you look outside, you see the earth and the sky is beautiful, isn't it? It's a beautiful creation. And you look at it and say, how can something explode and make that happen? To make it look so beautiful. You look at what happens when something explodes, it destroys things. Nothing nothing comes together. It, It deteriorates. Now look what it says. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities. His eternal power. What do you mean his eternal power? Well, how does this all stay going? How come the sun doesn't burn out? How come? How does the day turn into night then come back again? Something's controlling this. And thank God it's not human beings because then we'd be dog dead. Because we'd be saying, oh, let's try to make daytime a little bit better. Let's try to make nighttime a little bit brighter. Right? right, let's just try to make it a little more... And then what? Then all of a sudden it end up blowing up the moon the sun will go out. <laughs> It'll get, all get burned up. Oh, we made a mistake. Down south, those people are going to cook because we were a degree off. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's what will happen. Because it's not all well thought out. Like, God's got an all well thought out. Thank God it's not held together by people. Anything that man creates has to be maintained. Anything God creates, He maintains. Amen? Mm-hmm. cannot be maintained by people. We build cars, right? They're beautiful. But don't take care of it and see what happens in a couple of
0: years.
1: (laughs) Everything we create has to be maintained. Thank God that God maintains what he created. Although people do try to get in the way of it and that's why the world's in such a mess. They're trying to clone people, stop aging, do all this crazy stuff, right? They're never going to stop the clock. Forget it. God, God started the clock and God will turn the clock off when he sees fit, amen, if he wants to. Yeah. And you know, people try it all the time, right, oh, I'm getting old, let's try to get young again, right, and gravity takes over and you got plastic <laughs> holding you up over here, this is falling apart and you got all these things lifting you up, as soon as you go home and take everything off, it's like, <laughs> you like, look like silly putty. And then... The, and then and they get older, you know, you see all the nice smooth skin hair and everything's falling, all wrinkled hair. And, and it's like, you look, you look like a doll or a zombie. Like, you can't even move. It. It's like, really, you don't even look the same anymore. You can't even identify them. Wow. And so they're letting... God gracefully age us and just accept it, right? Yeah. And go home. Look, I don't want to stay down here any longer than I have to. You, that.
0: <laughs>
1: you know what it is. Well, people that worship money want to be here as long as they can because that's what they, they want to keep it so they can spend it and have it and enjoy it. But God sets the time. You never know when you're going to go. Okay. All right, so don't, look, I get this plastic in the body shop. If you want me to put some plastic on you, come by, I'll paint your nails for you, put some bondo on you, spray it flesh tone, and you'll look really good for a little while, okay? till it cracks. Then come back and I'll sand you down and redo you. Just like an antique car, right? It gets old, the body where it starts cracking and the rust starts popping through. You come back to the body shop, we grind it all out and put some fresh stuff in Oh, my goodness. All right. I digress. <laughs> the only thing you should be reaching for is Jesus. All right. Look at verse 21. So they have no, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. So you look outside. You see the air we breathe. And everything. We have no excuse for not knowing God because we know that something had to create this. We're not just some... Paliwag that came out of the ground and evolved into something. Come on, be realistic. How come my hands ain't turning? How come I'm not growing another finger? How come we're not evolving? We're staying the same. Craziness. Look at verse 21. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God, or even give Him thanks, and began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. If you go out there now, people create their own God. Oh, I have my own God. I don't need your God. I have my God. No, there's only one God. And he's revealed in this book. Amen. Now look what it says. As a result of trying to, uh, foolish ideas of God was like, their minds became dark and confused. You see, until you accept Jesus, your mind is going to be dark and confused about what God is or why you're even here. You'll never understand why you were created. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So what did God do? So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desires. Look at the world today. They're doing whatever they want to do out there. And it's shameful what they do out there in public now. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded God, the truth of old God, for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen, right? They worship the stars and the moon and the sun and all the things He created, right? It's not the Creator Himself. Amen? All right, that was a beautiful scripture there. But we worship the right God, right? The one who created all that stuff. And I have a scripture for us too before we get started. Go to Colossians 2. This just came to me tonight. God gives us principles after we get saved. And what we must do after salvation. Colossians chapter 2. Look at verse 6, and then we're going to get back into our Titus study, which is going to be an awesome study, by the way. I hope, uh, I pray that everybody's been looking into it and reading it while we're studying it, to give you a better understanding of what we're going to be talking about. All right, look what it says, freedom from rules and a new life in Christ. And now, verse 6, just as you've accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord. I would say everybody in here has accepted Jesus as their Lord. Correct. Yeah. Now, there's something else. After you accept Him, now what? You must continue to follow Him. Now, how do you follow Him? Through the Word. Through the Word of God. Exactly. You must continue to follow Him. And then it says, "Let your roots grow down into Him." So we have to what? This this has to grow. To, we have to grow into the Word of God. So in other words, we have to. Like I said before, we have to outgrow our sin nature and our new new life has to get rooted and grounded in the word of God, right? Our sin nature has to get uprooted. And this is the problem that people don't like the sanctification process when our flesh has to get crucified. We have to get uprooted to make way for the new roots system, right? Which is the system of God. And we don't like it. Some of us like our sin nature because some of us are still operating in it. But that's okay. God's very slow with us and cautious. And he takes his time with us. Amen? But let me tell you something. When he says time is up, time is up. And he starts getting us uncomfortable if we keep living in the way we want. And it says, let your roots down into him, which you have to what? Read and study the word first and then understand it. If you don't understand what you're reading, you can never apply it. Just like going to school Right? You're going to school and they're trying to teach you and they're teaching you in a language you don't understand and Friday comes and they give you a test. And you say, I don't get get it. I don't understand any of it. How can I pass a test I don't understand? It's the same thing with our scripture. If we don't understand how God wants us to live and act, how can we go out there and live that way? Now it says, look what it says. Let your lives be built on him. On Christ the solid rock I stand, which is the foundation of our faith, and now we have to build our lives off of that foundation, knowing that we're secure, our eternal security is locked in, and we can never get, we can never lose that foundation. Once we understand that, now we, we can build our lives upon that foundation. Now the devil's going to try to come in and say, you're not saved, look what you've been doing. No, we're all born into sin, with a sin nature, so we have to understand, it's going to take some time, For him to build that new house. Can I get an amen for that? We have to understand the process. And we have to what? Oh, grow this sinful nature. It's so hard. How many of us are sinful nature worked for them today? You mean none of us are in heaven yet? (laughs) One thing for sure. Heaven is our home. But to live in the promised land is going to take some work. Okay? It's going to be denying ourselves and living for his glory. Look what it says. It says to let your lives be built on him. This has to become you. See this, this Bible in this in the in the in the ministry? That has to become your life. Once that becomes your life, and then you're rooted and grounded in him, then you can start growing. But let me tell you something. You cannot grow without being in a ministry. There's no way. You cannot grow onto an island. He calls us to a body, and Jesus is the head. Amen. So when you start when you don't when you miss this part of the ministry, you miss that part of growing. There's just no way you're gonna. He tells us, let your life be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. If you're not here, how can you be taught truth? And you will overflow with thankfulness. I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful that we have this ministry. There's a lot of craziness out there and false teaching with half-truths involved and tell you that there's nothing you can do, that there's no way that you're going to change. No, the Bible is is clear. He saves us and he changes us yeah. and he transforms us into the image of his son one day at a time till we go home to be with him. Amen. Amen. The only thing that gets in the way is us. Yeah. He saves us for a reason. Now it says, "Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophy." This is what people do. They get into philosophy, right? and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world. You mean there's other powers in this world? Yes, there's spiritual powers of this world, like the spirit of fear, the spirit of doubt, right? The spirit of what? Hatred, and the spirit of resentment. Those ain't from God. See, people think that spirit's things flying around. No, these are the things that enter our thought process. You know, when you get resentful towards somebody, that's an evil spirit that's coming into you. There's no way that you should be resentful or angry or bitter with anybody. Those are evil spirits. You know, when you're mad at somebody, it's like because you let an evil spirit into your mind. And then what? That takes root. The the anger takes root. It gives a foothold to the devil. And what comes out next? Nothing from God. Nothing from God comes out of our mouth or nothing from God comes into our thoughts. Because now you just gave the devil a foothold into your thought process. Amen? We have to what? Right away when it comes in, get rid of it. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. You have to humble yourself, though, and say, look, I can't fight this in my flesh. Now look what it says. For in Christ, look, from human thinking, the spiritual powers of this world, Rather than from Christ. You're getting your information from the world instead of the word. That's what it's saying. See this? Philosophies and high-sounding nonsense? That's anything other outside the Bible. And then they can't even go into theology, by the way, because theology is human teaching. You have to be careful with theology. That's not from God. This is from God, right here. And He taught all the prophets through His, through life. That's how He taught them. You know why? Because that makes us what? Think that we get proud and lofty with this intellectualism. Saying words and high-sounding words. Thinking the simplicity is in Christ. No, all I have to do is believe in Him, read His Word, join a church, get involved with a church, right? And apply this to my life. That's it. That's all that's involved. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't take any more of that. And you know why God doesn't reveal any more of that to any of us? Because we can't do that. He says, you want more, but you can't love your neighbor. You can't stop being angry. You're always bitter with people. You're always, you're, and you want more revelation when you can't already do the things I reveal to you. Yeah, so you want more? I can't give you more because you're like a child. You're still jealous. You still want your way. You're still full of self. How can I reveal anything more to you till I transform you more? People don't understand, they want more, so they go outside of this, right? Oh, I need higher enough. Oh, I got this down. Yeah, you got it down in your mind, but you can't live one iota of it. So God said, well, you, you're not ready for the next level of your spiritual walk. Can I get an amen for that? All right, let's go to Titus now. Last time we got together, we got into Titus 1. We ended up reading all the way through it. But there's more information here that I got to give before we go on to chapter 2. Well, I'm glad I'm here. Thank you, Jesus. You know, let me tell you something. The devil came into my mind and said, You know, I'm on vacation. I could just call this off. This is, I mean, this is the truth. I'm not. Look, I'm not. One thing I'm not is I'm real with you. I'm saying, You know what? I can relax down. I can call. I said, I don't know what? I said, No, but they need you. It's not about you. It's about me. You serve me. You work for me. You Get, get your butt down there to work. Okay, Lord, I got it, I got it. Because I know if I would have did that, by the end of the night, I would have felt convicted. I would have said, you know what? I should have did that. But I'm not going to get that. I'm going to get, well done, my good and faithful servant, because I followed the Spirit, and not my flesh tonight. That's just an example of what I did. But the devil came in and said, oh, you need to relax, don't worry, they're all okay. And I'm saying, how do I know they're all okay? No, nobody's okay without Jesus. You close this door. You close our mind. We're done. No way. As long as I'm here, we'll always be here. Amen? This comes first in my life. Jesus comes first. He's always working. All right. Now, let me just um, explain a little bit about Titus, about Paul's letter to Titus, and we'll get started, okay? Just listen up. Stay in chapter 1, and we're going to go down a little bit. Let me just explain a little bit for us. Just to refresh us. I hope everybody's been reading this. Paul's letter to Titus gives us a powerful understanding of the church in Crete as it was beginning to grow and also an insightful glimpse into Paul's work there. Okay, These people were new converts in a culture where con- their conduct was very crude. Sort of like what culture we're in, right? Paul, the aged missionary, demonstrates a mature finesse in adapting the good news to the spiritual condition and circumstances of these believers in Crete. Okay, The setting of Titus about A.D. 63, Paul wrote to Titus, who was stationed in around the same time as he wrote the first letter to Timothy in Ephesus. The letter to Titus is all business, setting the tone for Titus himself to follow. Okay, each section of the body is composed in a pattern of command, rationale and charge. Paul consistently repeats this pattern, whether addressing the appointment of elders and leaders, right conduct among members of the household of faith, or right conduct in society at large. Okay, three things. He talks about the way a leader should be and the qualifications of that in chapter 1. In chapter 2 he tells us of our Christian conduct in the household of faith which is here and then he tells us about our Christian conduct in what society at large three things very very important okay so listen up and you're going to learn something the rationale for Paul's commands in the first section on leadership is that the community is threatened by false teachers and needs decisive leadership okay In the next two sections on right conduct, the commands are based on the rationale of God's grace and mercy and its provisions. Okay? The date of writing this, all three of the letters to Timothy and Titus were written about the same time, addressing three distinct situations and yet sharing significant historical and theological elements. It is possible that Paul wrote these letters, including the one to Titus, during the period prior to his arrest, in Acts chapter 21, verses 1 to 40. But a date sometime after the imprisonment of Acts 28, 131, situation is, is more as what they're thinking it happened when he wrote them. Okay? All right, here's the situation that he had to face in Crete now. Okay? Now listen up. The study of Greek mythology at Crete has given us insight into the situation Paul faced there. Okay. According to Cretan mythology, the god Zeus was once a mere human who lived and died on Crete, but who had achieved godhood through the benefits he gave to humans. The idea of a great human benefactor being exalted to the status of God by virtue of good deeds contradicts the good news about God. God graciously lowered himself to humanity in Jesus Christ. Right? Our great God and Savior, and offers salvation through pure mercy. Amen? They were thinking their salvation was played out by their good works and deeds, that they became godlike. But that is not what the Bible teaches. Our salvation is based on the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? So he had to what? Teach them where they were wrong. He had to get in. They thought that they could be good enough to become gods. Greek mysticism is crazy. You know, Zeus and all that Greek mythology and philosophies, they were into all that. He had to break that all down and teach them. He had to imagine breaking all that intellectualism out of them and making them like kids again. Boy, there was a lot of work to be done on that island, okay? So now we understand why he had to write the book. We're going to begin in um, verse 7. We're going to talk about a church leader now. We're going to see if this lines up with what we do. How's that? We could line it up against our ministry right now. We'll see if we're doing the right thing over here. How's that sound? Now you have an opportunity to see if we're on the right track, okay? Okay. Everybody there? Okay, here we go. I'm getting warmed up now. I'm starting to feel all right. (laughs) I was down by the water watching his mighty power. I said, wow, you realize that we have that power in us? That creation power resides in each and every believer. We have that divine nature in us. It's amazing, isn't it? And we don't use any. We, don't, we do not use it. We use our flesh. We think we can handle life in the flesh. And he says, I'm giving you more power than you could ever handle to live life beautifully in the spirit and you still don't want, you reject it. You've lived by your, you think you're always better. So we fail, look what it says in verse 7. A church leader is a manager of God's household. So we must live a blameless life. What's a blameless life? Does that mean perfect? Now, come on. We all know that there's only one perfect one. Jesus, right? Blameless means what? To the best we've ability, we follow the Lord, and we do the best we can as Christians. Amen? There's a certain lifestyle we live because of our faith. Now, look what it says. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. I'm saying, boy, God's got some work to do with me. Okay, Lord. <laughs> yeah. He must not be a heavy drinker. Well, I check off that pretty good. I don't drink. Violent? No, I'm not violent anymore. I used to be, though. I can admit it. I was violent. Now I'm. it's hard for me to even step on an ant. Okay? <laughs> it really is. Or dishonest with money? No, I know that this is, you know what? This is God's money. Let me tell you something. When you understand that you, this is God's house and His money, and you go and spend His money, let me tell you something. What comes over you will change. It's, like, it's almost like I'm already in jail. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Think wisely. <clears throat> Look, I make my own money. Oh, my hands are getting clean, by the way. Look, are not working, right? They're getting better? <laughs> don't worry. Monday you come, I'll be dirty again. I don't need to spend God's money. I have my own. Amen? I'm not in it for money. I'm in it because I love much because I've been forgiven much. That's why I'm in it. I serve the Lord because I love Him what He did for me. He saved a wretch like me, right? And actually gave me a purpose here on planet earth. After all the failures and everything else, He says, yeah, that's why I can use you because you know how bad you are. No, I can do something with somebody like that. I can't do something with anybody that don't think they're that bad. Oh, I'm bad. (laughs) But oh (laughs) God... My, I'm back. oh Jesus? Believe me, me and the devil are like this. God says, yeah, I'm going to show you how powerful I am now. You think the devil was powerful? I'm going to possess you from here on in. That's what he said to me. I said, thank you, Jesus. Possess me, please. Take me. I don't want to be possessed by the devil no more. Amen. Now look what it says: or oh, dishonest with money. Rather, he must have enjoy having guests in his home, and he must love what is good. I love when the good things happen. When good things happen, like the ministry grows and every people do good things, I get yeah. Look, whenever something good's going on in your life, come and tell somebody. Don't always tell somebody what's wrong. Tell glorify God and say, you know what? What a good day I had. A testimony for the Lord. Don't come in here and share your misery. Come and share your joys too. There's always something good. You know what the devil wants us to always dwell on? What's going Mm -hmm. wrong in our lives. Instead of all the glory (laughs) of him putting breath in your lungs and you can still see. And you still have, and you're not hungry. And you don't have, all your needs are being met. Nice hot shower, right? Nice cool room. Instead of just accepting that, oh, I had a bad day today. I had to pay too much for this. So that was expensive. You know, crazy stuff. The devil Mm -hmm. loves to get in and make us complain. Let me tell you something about this. This country is very spoiled. Yes. Let me tell you something. This countries out there right now. They don't have nothing to drink. They can't Any even anymore. mention Jesus' name or they throw them in jail. Mm-hmm. We're over here living in luxury. As a matter of fact, I'm studying. We're in the book of Amos right now. When you read Amos, when we get into it, they're going to see how much that, fit, that look sounds like America, yes. what they're doing. Absolutely. When you read Amos, he called them a bunch of fat cows. That's what he called them. They were believers. Called them a bunch of fat cows. <laughs> Boy, God, God doesn't play around. No, he must live a devout and disciplined life. Let me tell you something. God, in order to do this, you have to live a disciplined life because it leaves no room for anything else. Studying, reading, ministering. There's no time for me to do anything else. And I need that. I need my time to be consumed. I need to be doing something good. See, it's not good enough to just not do evil. You have to replace the evil with good. And he was saying it in Amos. The people say, oh, we're not doing anything wrong. say, yeah, but you're not doing anything good either. You're lukewarm. I wish you were one or the other. You don't just sit here and learn. You sit here and learn and then you do good. You have to do something. You have to fight evil with good, not just not do evil. You have to fight it with good things. And there's one thing Christians lack. They say, oh, I didn't do anything evil today. Yeah, but did you do anything good for the glory of God? Did you replace that evil with good? This is very important. And that's one thing. Listen, if you just don't do evil, believe me, evil will come back and take over. You have to replace it with good. So now there's more good in you than evil. very simple principle that's not very much taught in church. look at what it says. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught and then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. And you know it as well as I do. I'm very passionate with this. I get excited about it because I believe everything that I'm saying. And I love you. And God tells me to teach you so you can become like Him. To give you the understanding of the Bible so when you're not here you can understand it and apply it to your life and become Christ-like. You'll be able to encourage others and those who oppose it where they are wrong. For there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. There's people in church, right? That come in and cause division and deceive people. Oh, well, we, do, we read this here, and we read that there. Contradicting the words of God. All the time, there's people that come in here, they worm their way in, and put their, their, their spin on what they think the Bible says. And they confuse people. Listen, if anybody has any questions about the Bible, you're supposed to go to the preacher, to me. And then if I can help you, that's good. If somebody else can help you, look, no, you come to me, and then if they can if they want to come in and give some insight or a revelation that they had, that's fine. But you're gonna be where will you go with your information? Because the devil is in churches. Okay. Look what it says. This is especially true for those who insist on circumcision for salvation. What's circumcision? That means by doing good things to be saved. That's what he was, that's what he was fighting against. You don't do good things to get saved. You do good things because you are saved. You see, you don't not see here's what happens: people get this work salvation down and say, Oh, I don't have to work, right? So they don't do anything. So they say, "I don't believe in work salvation, so there's nothing I can do. So they don't do anything good." No. We salvation works. We don't work for salvation, but salvation works. We do good things cuz we are saved. We don't not do good things and thinking, "Oh, uh, it's not work salvation, so I don't have to do anything." No, you do things cuz you are saved, not to stay saved. It's a different perception. Christians, gotta, they love the grace message. I don't have to do anything, just bask in Jesus. That's it. I can live in this world, whatever I want. Heaven is my home. Leave me alone. You really think that's what they teach in the Bible? You really think that's why God saved us? Thou fool, Jesus said. Now look what it says. They must be silenced. Because they're turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching. They do it only for money. They'll say, "Well, you got to dress a certain way. You got to eat certain food, You can't watch this. You can't do that. You can't see this, and you can't see that. If you do, that means you're not saved." How crazy is that? Imagine, because you didn't, because uh, you, you went to watch a Red Sox game, you're evil. You want to watch a baseball game, you sinner. you're not saved because you went and watched the game you went dancing you're evil there's people out there like that that tell you that you're not saved because you enjoy what God's given you you know it as well as I do when you get saved you get convicted that no I shouldn't really go there you know and then you don't have to it's not because you don't it's because you don't want to not because you don't have to because you don't want to go there anymore because you'd rather do the things of God instead of the things of the world. If I want to dance, I'll dance for Jesus like David did in the streets, remember? His wife called him a nut job. He was out there glorifying Jesus. He said, I don't care what you think of me. I'm glorifying Jesus. Well, you don't care what people think you want to dance on in at a nightclub, do you? you have to believe me. Make a fool of yourself in there, right? But you won't make a fool of yourself for Jesus, right? (laughs) You see some people... What the heck was that, a chicken? (laughs) Did somebody light him on fire or something? (laughs) I digress. I'm saying, why can't I just glorify God and sing to Him. When we come to church, right? Everybody says, oh, don't make too much movement or anything because we don't want to take the attention off of Jesus. Why not? Why can't I move around and glorify God? I'm dancing for Him. But it's okay to dance in a nightclub all wasted out of your head. But that's not okay to dance in church for Jesus. doesn't make any sense. They stifle the Spirit. Don't, don't move, don't move, stay still, I don't want anybody to see you, they don't want to take attention off of you, oh, instead of just saying, I love you Jesus, thank you, and the spirit stays, the spirit gets spiteful in the church, you can't even come out, the Holy Spirit's under the table saying, can I come out now, is it okay? Craziness that goes on in churches, really. You want to dance for Jesus? Dance for Jesus, amen? You want to sing for Jesus? Sing for Jesus. It doesn't matter what you sound like. He loves to hear from his kids, amen? The joyful. I'll tell you what, when I hear the music, it, it takes away all the heaviness in my heart. It just takes away all the, the evil that's going on in, in me. And just, oh Lord, thank you. I worship and honor you. It just helps us. There's nothing like a great Christian song to, to get us started. Amen? Amen? So, what? You raised your hands. Oh, no, oh, no, oh. don't <laughs> raise your hands. Give him handcuffs. He... That's the spirit. We're rejoicing in the spirit. Amen? Amen. Loosen up for crying out loud. What's bunch rigid, stiff necked Christians. Instead of enjoying. You're supposed to enjoy Bible. you enjoying this tonight. Yes. Amen. That's why we keep coming back. right? Because we enjoy being taught. Amen. Jesus was in front of you. He told let the children come. Stop it. He said, no, oh, you're a distract-. No, he said, let them come. Unless you become like him, you ain't coming. This is what adults do. They become pharisaical. Shh. 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 Jesus was with 5,000 people. You think they were all like this? You think think they all look good and had cologne on?
0: You think they all had the
1: right words? Such a misconception of thinking because I put all this beautiful stuff on that, oh, God must be happy with me. But inside I'm full of what? Wickedness and dead men's bones. But I look good. Let me tell you something. Jesus didn't look that good. He had he didn't have what he had regular clothes on sandals, I guess he represented God. He was God. Yeah. He didn't have a three piece suit on. I don't see him in one. He just about he had rags on. He humbled himself. Remember what he did? He started washing their feet. God Himself was washing the apostles' feet. God himself. How about you? Are you humble enough after becoming a Christian for so many years enough to minister and wash people's feet and be there to meet their needs? Or are you just some rigid pharisaical Christian? I hope you're not in here because I ain't going to let it happen. You're supposed to minister to your brethren and help them. That's how we get rid of our evil. Titus shows us. Look, they must be silent. Look what he says. Verse 11, they must be silenced because they are turning whole families from the truth by their false teaching and they do it only for money. Verse 12, even one from uh, their own men, a prophet from Crete, he said about them, the people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. Sounds familiar. This is true. Then he says, so reprimand them sternly to make them strong in the faith. What do you mean reprimand them? Tell them, look, that's wrong. Sternly. Look, no, we're not lazy gluttons. God doesn't lie. He's not a glutton. So I'm going to have to teach you. I've got to get that out of you that that's to, to, so you can become strong in the faith. They must stop listening to Jewish myths and the commands of people who have turned away from the truth. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are Pure. But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving. Because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Here it is right here. Such people claim they know God. But they deny Him by the way they live. I want to hear it from here. Look, you claim you know God. The way you live will show how much you know God. It says it right here. You deny him by the way you live. What does it mean it doesn't matter how I live when I'm not in church? Oh, it matters. Because if you really know God, you will live his way. If you have God is one thing. But knowing God is what? Denying self and becoming Christ-like and living a godly life when you're not in church. That's what maturity is all about. And it says they're detestable. Disobedient and worthless for doing anything good to build up God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Worthless. Well, it's already eight o'clock. Wow. As a matter of fact, it's it's already past eight o'clock. So we're gonna we're gonna have to stop, unfortunately. But we're, we're, as long as we, we we got this in right, when we get into chapter two, it's gonna talk about behavior inside church. And you're going to like, your eyes are going to open and say, wow, I need to come to church a certain way. I need to prepare myself to come into God's house. He was telling them, look, you don't just come in. He says, you prepare yourself to come in God's house. With respect and honor and obedience and what? In the spirit. All right, we're going to close there. Thank you for me share that. It was great seeing everybody.
0: Oh, Lord, my God.
1: come up and close us yes, sir. thank you